Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX, a podcast created for other Fragile X families to share their stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. If you have never heard of Fragile X before, this podcast is for you. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Talk FX. Um, I'm so excited this month, as you guys all know, as I have not shut up about it. It is um, Fragile X Awareness Month, and I wanted to invite uh, Kirsten Fowler back on Talk FX. She was uh, on with me a few weeks ago um, as we were talking about her uh, anticipated launch of her new book, Family, Faith, and Fragile X. Um, If you haven't gotten your hands on it, I highly recommend it. I am on chapter, oh, I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle of chapter four. (laughs) So I'm really enjoying it. I know I've seen so many of you guys share that you've uh, gotten your copy and that's so awesome. Um, So today I wanted to invite Kirsten on to talk about, um, fear and anxiety. Um, I just feel like she was such a wonderful person to um, uh, invite on for this particular topic. Um, Because if you've um, read her book, she just shares so in depth about the journey with um, Fragile X and just having three children with Fragile X syndrome. So um, thank you so much, Kirsten, for your willingness to Uh, come on again and, you know, talk about this particular, you know, topic that's not always easy to um, discuss. So I just really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. I am just so excited to be here. And I just love getting to know you. It's just been so fun. So thank you. Yeah, for those of you that may not know, we have a very similar story of how we found out about Fragile X in our lives. It's almost kind of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Has three kids and I don't, so (laughs) Um, she's way busier than I am. Um, (laughs) It's relative. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so... Definitely, first things first, I want to hear how your book release has been going. It's been about um, two weeks now. Yeah, it's been super fun and exciting. Um, I've been able to sell over 100 books so far, which I think is fabulous for me. <laughs> yes. Excited. And um, it's been fun to hear people, um, what they think about it and their reactions to it and how it's helping other people throughout the Fragile X community. It's, it's just been really rewarding. That is so awesome. And did you really have like an idea of what the uh, impact of your book would be? You know, not really. And I think I'm still finding that out. Um, At first, you know, as we're going to be talking about this fear and anxiety, I definitely had a lot of anxiety putting this book out because it's very personal as as you've been reading it. Um, And it was kind of scary putting it out there, but I'm hoping that it does impact a lot of people. And as people have read it and I've been hearing their feedback, I'm like, oh, maybe this is good. Maybe I can help somebody, you know, and it's been kind of exciting that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, <laughs> I can relate to putting yourself out there and being, you know, worried about what the impact will be, you know, with this podcast even like yeah is anyone really gonna listen to a podcast about fragile x you know just yeah. like how is anyone really gonna read this book about a rare disease about you know fragile x syndrome but you know the thing yeah. is is it doesn't matter you know um that it is a rare disease it doesn't mean that it shouldn't get talked about as often as possible because of the ways that it affects families oh yeah so, <laughs> um, but I am so glad to hear that your book release has been going so well. I'm just so excited for you. And, um, as I keep reading, um, your book, I, I have really been able to, um, honestly, because I don't, I don't have children with fragile X, um, just yet. I mean, uh, in all transparency, I'm kind of expecting that route, but mm -hmm. obviously, obviously there's always that 50% chance that it, that it won't happen. But in reading your book as someone, you know, who doesn't have children, like I said, it is so, um, encouraging and eye-opening to the, you know, possibilities. And it's really helped me to, um, prepare myself in a lot of ways. And, uh, and just, you know, there's so many things that, that um, you, you can't really have a lot of um, opinions about without having gone through it. Yeah, so you've gone through it. And I as someone who is, you know, anticipating the possibility of having children with fragile X, um, it's just such a uh, unique perspective to be in. Um, and I feel like I could explain this so much better, no, but, you're good. <laughs> but I just, I just thank you because, um, your book has helped me to, uh, think about the different possibilities that I may have to deal with, you know, down the road and not every, you know, carrier can really say that they had that opportunity, you know, right. um, so many carriers found out about Fragile X in their lives, you know, um, maybe after their child was born or during their pregnancy or whatever it was. Right. And they didn't have that opportunity to read a book like yours and um, have that time to process and prepare. Yeah. And, you know, that makes me so happy to hear that it's encouraging for you. I know that I'm like super honest in my book, so hopefully it doesn't scare you. No. <laughs> super transparent <laughs> in it, but I'm, I'm really glad that it's, it's helping. And yeah, I wanted to really just help other people understand and open their eyes and their views to something maybe they haven't experienced yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, that's, this is just a reminder to those listening that are maybe in the same boat I am. It is important to read books, even about Fragile X, even if, you know, they're regarding things that you haven't been through yet. Um, I think it's so important to be taking all the resources possible because like I said, not every family had that opportunity. And I'm sure that so many of you listening wish you, you could have had that opportunity. So, um, well, just as much as, you know, I, I just love, um, 
talking about, you know, our, our diagnosis stories and all of that, I want to jump into, you know, the, the topic of, of today, which is, um, you know, fear and anxiety. And, mm-hmm. um, I released an episode about, you know, how fear and anxiety and <laughs> fear and anxiety have played a role in my life as a carrier, but, um, I really wanted the part two of this episode to be about the fear and anxiety from a, you know, uh, mother's perspective, but also, you know, the children's perspective too, that are affected by fragile X. So, um, I just kind of want to open it up to you, whatever you, uh, are wanting to share regarding fear and anxiety, please, please do. Okay. Yeah. Um, first thing, um, I feel like with my children, I've seen it for sure. But with my youngest daughter, Evelyn, um, I feel like she struggles the most with it. And I, I tell people about this, these experiences because it's, I don't know, it's kind of shocking, I guess, as um, a parent when, for example, we, we would have her sit down at the table when she was, you know, eight months old or something. She'd be sitting at her little high chair and be eating her breakfast but if if you happen to look at her like look her in the eye or if she knew you were looking at her while she was eating she would immediately like just break down stop eating and go into like a full-on meltdown Mm. and so it was always interesting to be like okay nobody nobody look at her she needs to eat her breakfast like And so we would face her towards the wall and we'd all just kind of eat in a different area and let her kind of have her peace for a while. And she's since, you know, grown out of that and gotten better, at least with our immediate family, which obviously is is nice because sometimes it would just break my husband's heart because he'd come in, you know, like, hi, Evelyn. And she would just start bawling, you know, like she just couldn't handle the attention the eye contact or any of that and it was so interesting because even though my other kids had struggled with anxiety it was never as much as my youngest daughter and so that was a real eye-opener for me to see like how how the anxiety can impact their life and how how hard it must be for them as individuals to function in their everyday life and I think as we have exposed her to different experiences and more people, you know, she's getting, she's getting better and not so anxious, but it's still there and it's something she'll have to work with and work through her whole life. So it's been hard, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to see just like with any other kid when they struggle with something, it's hard to watch, but you just do your best as a parent and help them and, kind of do that scaffolding where you're like okay here's a little bit I'm pushing you a little bit but you can do this and you just push them a little bit and a little bit so that they're not totally out of their comfort zone but somewhere that they can feel safe um and just making it possible for them to slowly you know get out in the world (laughs) yeah so um when she would you know start reacting to you guys making eye contact with her um was that you know something due to like didn't really have a lot of um uh I guess you could say social interaction at that time um right 
yeah, that's kind of what my brain went to was, you know, is was that kind of part of it? Yeah, because I mean, she's just she's only, you know, six months old, six to nine months old, and she's still right. new and hasn't had a whole lot of um, contact with big groups or, you know, anything like that. And even still to this day, there's something about when she's eating that like if we go to a family gathering, she has to eat somewhere else in a different room. She can't be in the kitchen with like me and my extended family. And it's just uh, the noises and the overwhelming um like if she doesn't like loud noises and so when there's a lot of people talking she doesn't want to be in that environment you know things like that but I think it's true as she's gotten older and when she's had more experiences with other people it's gotten better like she's Mm -hmm. getting she's figuring out how to manage that yeah um it, so you said it's it's gotten better as, you know, time has gone on. And as you've, like you said, you've just kind of pushed her just a little bit each time. Yeah. So I think it's really important with any child with Fragile X to kind of see where they're at and be willing to push them just enough because they aren't going to want to be pushed. Their anxiety is super high. Um, but you have to push them a little bit because a lot of times they want to do things. They want to be part of a group. They want to go to that party. They want to be there and eat with you, whatever it may be, but they can't because their anxiety is so high. So if you give them opportunities to slowly, you know, get into that, push them just a little bit so that they're not into like a meltdown mode, but just so that it's like, Ooh, this is really hard for me, but here I go. You know? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a interesting, it's a balance and it's hard as a parent to find that balance, but I think it's important too, to be able to find that, that sweet spot where you can kind of push them a little bit to help them grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And is your, I don't know if we've ever, if we've, um, Uh, covered this but is your daughter verbal uh yes actually so I my two daughters actually are very verbal my son is not though he only speaks a little bit here and there when he wants something you know (laughs) well I do that too (laughs) (laughs) smart kid um Um, well, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Um, I'm so, you know, I'm glad to hear that she's, you know, getting better each time. And, you know, um, I'm sure just because, you know, your, uh, your family is, is affected by Fragile X. So I'm, I would just assume that they're pretty understanding of the fact that, you know, she does have to, uh, eat in a separate room. Yeah, in fact, it, in that way where Fragile X is familial, um, it's been kind of a blessing in that way that there is such understanding within my family because I have a sister that also has three with Fragile X. And so we all just kind of get it and we all just love them and we understand those hard times and just try to help each other. And it's been a real blessing. Yeah, that's that's so great. I mean, I... I can only imagine, you know, other families um, listening that may have similar experiences with um, their children. You know, what do you do when you want to go out to a restaurant or um, or something like that? You know, it's it's possible that you you can't. But yeah, um, 
you know, I'm so encouraged by what you said, though, of, you know, you need to push them just a little bit each time, like, not a lot to like, get them super uncomfortable. And, you know, to because that can often keep them from wanting to ever do it again. Yeah. And you don't want that. No, (laughs) and that just makes it so that they will never do it again. Right. So um, that's, that's just so encouraging to hear. Um, So what about your um, other two children, your, um, your other daughter and your son? Um, What are some areas of uh, fear or anxiety that uh, you feel they uh, have experienced, you know, earlier on in their lives, or maybe they're experiencing now? Yeah, so my son, Isaac, he is nine years old right now. And ever since he was younger, I think big crowds have just kind of been a turnoff to him. So we don't usually take him out into large crowds. Um, we, if we do, we make sure that he feels as safe as possible. And one way that we do that is by putting him in a, it's a conveyed stroller or we'll, we're actually about to get him a wheelchair and that's kind of his safe place where he feels, you know, like secure when we're out and about. And so that's been something that's helped him and his anxiety, even at school, he uses it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also on some medication, which is, it's <laughs> medication is an interesting journey. It's, it's yes. actually not the easy way out, as some people think. It's actually kind of hard to find the right dose and the right prescription or, you know, and uh, it's kind of tricky, but um, everybody kind of does their own, has their own opinions about that. But we've decided to to help him with some medication, um, and we have tried different behavior therapy, which hasn't been super successful with him. Mm. Um and as far as my other daughter, Eliza, she's six right now, and she is actually going to a regular class. She's not in a special needs class at school, which has been amazing. Um, and she does still struggle with anxiety. I think one thing that helps her is social stories, like telling her, okay, this is what's going to happen, and kind of telling her beforehand what's going to be coming Um, but it's kind of a, again, it's kind of tricky because if you tell her too early, then the anxiety builds up and she's just like waiting for the moment. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to, you have to time it just right so that you're telling her before the event happens, but not too soon before so that she has enough time to get ready, but not enough to be like stewing over it for days. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. And I think with her being more higher functioning, I think the, the pictures um you've probably seen a lot of this with with other fragile x kids they'll have pictures like first you do this then you do this or yeah yeah. so she does really good with with pictures and that kind of helps with her anxiety as well she knows what she's um being asked to do and she knows that when she's done she's done and she doesn't have to worry about it anymore it's very concrete Mm -hmm. um and i think those are some things that have that have helped them um but I think it's just kind of a journey and it kind of changes and evolves as they get older and experience new things. So it's definitely, it's an ongoing journey. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, um, I, with, with my cousin, Nathan, um, he just turned 14, which is just unreal. 
Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and um, I remember this was like a couple years ago. He, um, I think, I think him and my aunt and my uncle were going to be going on a camping trip soon. And um, my cousin Nathan, I can relate to him in this. He is a homebody. Mm-hmm. He he loves to be where he's familiar. Um, you know, which is primarily home. Um, you know, or school, you know, um, those primary places that he goes to, you know, most days out of the year. Um, well, they were going to go on a camping trip. So it was really interesting to see, you know, um, my, my aunt and my uncle, how they prepared him for the trip was they had him, uh, actually sleep in a sleeping bag for a couple of nights um, before their trip to help get him used to um, that change in routine of you're not sleeping in your bed at home, but you're sleeping in a sleeping bag. And it's, you know, those steps that we take as as parents and, and even just advocates um, like myself, you know, for my cousin, we take those steps necessary to help Um, the hope is to help them, you know, lessen their anxiety, because the more we can prepare them, um, the, the more, you know, the hope is that the the less anxiety that they're going to have once the day of that event or that just change in general happens. Yeah, Um, I think that's a really great idea what they did. Um, mm -hmm. In in fact, if if you don't mind me sharing, um, I it just reminded me we used to try to go out and do things as a family and sometimes it was successful and sometimes it was a disaster. And one thing that we would try to do was um, go to Airbnbs and um, try to make it as comfortable as possible. But the first night was always so hard because it was a new place and it was, you know, everything was different. So we finally decided to get a camper. Um, We actually got a toy hauler and the whole back and is basically free so we have this bed tent that we use for Isaac and he uses it um in the house he uses it when we go places and so that's kind of his safe place and he knows that's his place to sleep and so we have put that every time we go camping we put that in the trailer that little pop-up tent and he has no problem just going in knowing that's his place and being happy there and sleeping and it's a, it's really a huge miracle. And before we even went anywhere, we camped in the camper just in my front yard a few nights. Like, let's see if this is actually going to work before we leave home, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely helps to kind of get them in that motion, get them in the practice, you know, do whatever you can before to kind of warm them up to the idea or whatever you may be doing. So, yeah, I, I, th- I really liked that idea that your aunt and uncle had. Yeah. Um, and it was a really cool, you know, learning experience, uh, for me as well. And, um, you know, also with your kids and, you know, um, just staying the night in the camper on your property, that, Mm -hmm. that is awesome. And then there's that part where you can't necessarily prepare them for the location that you're going to be at in the camper because that's different, Mm -hmm. but, you're you're still um helping them get used to step one which is you know the camper itself um yeah that's like their safe base yeah and then step two is you know the change in environment 
um, as far as outside the camper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's awesome. And I see that as a way to, you know, hopefully bring some relief to some of the anxiety that, that m- most likely would have been more anxiety if, if you had not practiced, you know, um, spending the night in the, in the RV, which I think would be super fun anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, it's um, an adventure, but it's gotten better as we've done it more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it is just so important to, and, and, you know, it, it can also be hard to, to think of everything, you know? Oh yeah. But the more we can, uh, prepare the better, but also, you know, as, as parents, I'm sure that, um, maybe you've experienced this and I've, you, you know, I've watched my aunt experience this, you know, you just can't beat yourself up for not, for feeling like maybe you didn't prepare them enough for that change. And then the result is them having lots of anxiety. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've watched that happen of like, I did all this preparation, but yet this is still, you know, the result. And, mm-hmm. um, can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think, I don't know if it's a carrier thing or what, but we like to beat ourselves up. That's oh, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I deal with anxiety a lot and I myself try to prepare, you know, for my kids so that they don't have anxiety. And yeah, when it doesn't work out, quite like you planned or they're having a really hard time you think oh I should have done this or oh I could have done this better or you know and sometimes it's in retrospect when you're like oh this is why they were freaking out this is why the meltdown happened because I didn't do a b or c you know and but I think you have to have a lot of um, self-love and a lot of just grace for yourself just realizing that you know, we're trying, we're trying so hard. We love our kids so desperately and we want what's best for them. And, you know, we're not perfect. No parent is. And um, it's extra difficult to have a special needs child and trying to raise them. And so I think, I mean, it's easier said than done when you're in the situation to be like, I'm going to forgive myself. (laughs) But um, (laughs) usually for me, it comes a little bit later after I've you know, realize like, it's okay. And, you know, I feel like my kids, at least, they're pretty resilient, they go through some really tough stuff. But then after the meltdown's over, and you've solved whatever the issue is, they're just happy as can be and go on their hunky dory way, you know, mm-hmm. so I have to remind myself, like, they're, they're resilient, and I'm trying and that like this is the best we can do and you just move forward and continue to try. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's so much, uh, it, it's so much easier said than done sometimes, but it never hurts to hear it because especially from other, other uh, families is just that reminder that, you know, you're not alone in the, in the journey. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it just reminds me every, every time I get anxious about something or, I uh, often remind my my aunt of this whenever she gets uh, anxious about something coming up for my cousin. I just, you know, remind her of what my Nana used to say, which was all the worry in the world isn't going to change the outcome. <laughs> yeah. And of course, 
when I was younger and I heard that, my response was just rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, darn it, it's so true. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's still so hard, though. You're like, I know that this worrying isn't going to do me any good, but I'm still worrying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, just we I, want the best like you said for uh we all you know want the best for our kids and um we try so hard I think to provide that without realizing that you know it's it's okay if the result isn't what we thought it was going to be um because regardless you know, I, I think it's just a learning opportunity of like, okay, so we tried this approach. So uh, if and when this happens again, how can we do it differently to help our children? You know, definitely. I totally agree with that, that it's kind of a a step-by-step process that, that changes and evolves. Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think it's important too, to mention that fear and anxiety has, so many like um, components, I I would say, because, you know, obviously it can um, come from, you know, the diagnosis of Fragile X, mm-hmm. but, you know, it can also just come from the unknown, like we basically were talking about is, you know, our, the unknown for our for your kids. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the unknown for them. It's the stress. And then also I think, um, you know, and I've experienced this myself, but the result of a traumatic experience, which can be, which can be said for someone with or without a developmental delay. Yeah. So I feel like, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about, you know, the stress and, and fear and anxiety as a result of finding out about the diagnosis. But the unknown is the one that I feel like is so hard to um, distinguish or not distinguish. That was not the word that I wanted. But, you know, just how do we understand, um, like, how do you understand your kids who are have fear, you know, anxiety over the, that unknown. Like, how do we do that? Especially when so many families have children that are nonverbal. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's, that's always really hard. Like for, with Isaac, for example, I don't know exactly what he's feeling, but I feel like when he is anxious, I, as his mom, I kind of have seen those little triggers that come and to try to like mitigate those before he, you know, not explodes, but has a meltdown or something. Um, But yeah, I think fear of the unknown is just, I mean, that's just the main thing of anxiety, right? Like, yeah, what's going to happen? We're trying to think of all these possible, uh, all these possibilities that will happen. And realizing that you can't know the future, (laughs) you know, and just being like, okay, I'm okay with that. It's rough. And I think Um, growing up, it was interesting because before I knew I was a carrier of Fragile X, I knew that there was something like, I was always afraid of different things, but I, back then we didn't really have a name for it. Like, I feel like nowadays anxiety is thrown around a lot. Um, but when I was younger, that wasn't really something that we talked about. There's, you know, and 
I think I just thought, oh, I'm just afraid of things. I just need to overcome this. And I would try and try and do my best. But you can only get so far, you know, before your brain's like, hmm. I'm not, I'm just not going to let you do that right now. Right. <laughs> and, um, so it was, it was helpful as I got older and figured out like, oh, okay, this is why I'm feeling this way. And kind of understanding like, it's okay to feel these, th- this way. And this is how I can deal with it and learning different ways so that I can deal with my, my anxiety. Um, Cause it has gotten worse as I've gotten older And as I've had kids with special needs, I think it's just kind of compounded that problem. My anxiety has just increased. But um, with that, I've also figured out ways to help me to get through those times of anxiety and, you know, come out successful in whatever, you know, thing I was anticipating and worrying about. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, I think also the the unknown of our of our children's future is a huge part of fear and anxiety too, um, and just not knowing what it's going to look like and and almost getting a little ahead of ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's one thing that like as parents with kids with special needs, they think about the future. I think more than the typical parent because you're like, okay, I have to think about where are they going to live? What's going to happen if I die? I have to have this trust fund. I have to have this will, like all of these things that you're like trying to set up when other parents are just like, okay, let's sign them up for the baseball team, you know? And it's like, it's, it's a whole different world where we're having this anxiety about where is my child going to be in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I am. I just uh, think that we often, even get like, you know, I get fear and anxiety just thinking about, um, you know, if my future children are affected by Fragile X, you know, they're what I thought, you know, my future family would look like one day um, just has changed. And Mm -hmm. even though I've known that since I was, you know, 17 years old, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily get any easier with time. Right. It just, um, I think what does help, um, and, and I feel, I hope that this is, this would be true for a lot of people is, um, you know, educating yourself. Um, you know, the more that I educate myself on Fragile X, the more that I educate myself on the different, you know, possibilities of the future, the less anxiety and fear I have as a result honestly, because I, for me and and how I know myself, I feel like I'm preparing and I'm not just sitting in the grief that, you know, honestly, I don't know if it'll ever go away, but, um, you know, I, as long as I'm not sitting in it, I don't have as much fear and anxiety as I feel like I would, you know? Yeah. I think definitely being prepared is, super helpful to combat that anxiety you know there's like that scripture if you are prepared then you shall not fear and I totally believe that because you know if you're ready then what is there to fear if you're prepared for the future exactly and you know I feel like we can also um relate to (laughs) our children in that way of like 
you know, we're, we're stressing about the unknown too. Yeah. How are we going to be that example to our children? And I'm glad that you uh, brought that connection up because I've noticed that I feel like I understand my children better because I'm like, mine's not as extreme, but I, I know that you're feeling this anxiety and I know how it feels and, oh, this, this is probably bothering you. I've been bothered by this before, you know, I'm kind of feeling like because I'm a carrier, I can kind of connect with them a little bit more than say somebody else or, you know, even my husband, he's, he doesn't really have anxiety. And so he doesn't fully understand that aspect, but I feel like, um, as their mother, I'm able to, to help them a little bit more because I've been there in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is a good transition to, um, the last kind of, um, topic, I wanted to um, cover is, you know, as carriers and obviously you as a mother of, of children with fragile X, um, you know, you particularly have family that are also affected by fragile X. So you're probably, you know, around them often enough, but, you know, when you're not around your family and, and you're more so in the, you know, general public with your, with your kids, um, how how do you educate uh, how or what is your advice i would is how i would like to word it um <laughs> what what is your advice on how to educate others on you know how fear and anxiety affects your children's lives because obviously you know um for instance if you bring your daughter who um per, you know does better if she eats you know with with less people around her you know how do you educate others um on that to help them understand um that this is just the accommodations that she needs yeah um I think one thing is just getting the oh what's the word like I was saying earlier where when I was younger, the term anxiety wasn't used a whole lot. But mm-hmm. days, like everybody, I feel like understands that. And so like, now you can just be like, Oh, you know, my daughter suffers from anxiety, she's going to need some, you know, some special um, accommodations, you know, and I feel like more people are like, Oh, okay, I know what anxiety is. I, you know, and a lot of people have experienced it themselves. And so I think just by the more that we get the word out about fragile X, the more we're going to get that acceptance because I've seen that with um, like autism, for example, is so big now, like everybody knows about autism and, and there's becoming more and more understanding. But when you say fragile X, it's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. What is that? Um, My sister actually had a great idea. um, And she's, she's actually done this where you get business cards and you have, um like a website on there that leads them to some knowledge like fragilex.org or something like or do you have a question about my child or something you know and then you just hand them that card if somebody's giving you a dirty look or something you know (laughs) (laughs) then you have to like that confrontation because I think as mothers sometimes like that mama bear comes out we just want to be like grr you know yeah (laughs) but obviously we're not going to do that and so it's just I think being kind to others teaching them um 
because not every opportunity is going to allow for us to like expand all about fragile x you know be right like, this is how we you know um hey you got an hour <laughs> yeah exactly and so i think for me it's just realizing like i i love my kids i accept them for who they are and understanding that not everybody understands my situation and that's okay and um when i have the opportunity i can you know, pass out a card or I can tell them like, oh yeah, this is my daughter. She struggles with this and this is why we're doing this, you know, and, uh, you know, and when I can, I'll explain, but sometimes you just, you can't explain. And unfortunately they walk away thinking, oh, that child was, you know, you know, they have all their judgmental things that they say. Um, But I think just by, overall advocating for fragile x letting it be more well known then people are more understanding when you tell them like hey this is what they're struggling with then most people you know good people (laughs) will be like oh okay like let me help you let me make accommodations instead of you know being judgmental there's something about when you open up to people and tell them what's going on that their hearts are softened rather than Um, when they're just staring from the outside and thinking what is wrong with these kids you know absolutely like giving them a chance to just you know um, understand yeah exactly yeah Um, no that's that's great because I think you know it's so important when we can you know it's not always easy for sure but um, just helping others to be more aware of the effects of fragile X, because I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you could agree with this, but I mean, I want um, all of those affected by fragile X um, that, you know, are young or, or um, however old they are, I want them to um, grow up in a, in a, a society that, you know, has some, sort of knowledge of fragile x and has those accommodations available and i also want um my my hope and and prayer honestly is that everyone in the fragile x community will grow up in a inclusive environment because there's no reason why they shouldn't um you know and um i just want that so bad for my cousin, for, you know, my future family, for um, everyone affected by Fragile X. Um, I just uh, hope and pray that. And I think that the more we can um, open people's eyes up, the the more of a possibility that that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, there's been sometimes when I just feel like my kids, they just struggle, like they don't belong in this society with um how things are and it's 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 hard to you know take them out in public or do different things when they're not accepted and on the on the flip side like I I also understand like for example if we go to a movie or something my son's gonna be super loud and you know not everybody's gonna enjoy the movie because there's a you know a child that's just like yelling things out and things like that, you know? So I think it's important to realize too, that there's kind of like this compromise that has to go on, like a little give and take from both sides. Yeah. That makes sense. 
respect the like there's got to be a mutual respect like okay I understand that you don't totally get this special needs world but I'd like you to at least be loving and help me you know you know and then on the other side like okay I understand in certain situations maybe we need to make other accommodations um like in a movie theater like go they have like those special little boxes where you can go like in the noise rooms or whatever Mm -hmm. you know I I guess I just I try to what I'm trying to think how to like put it but just to kind of be accommodating to both sides I guess um but I think for sure there's a huge gap for those that aren't in the fragile X or special needs community there's a huge gap for like what their tolerance is you know oh yes (laughs) to bring that gap closer yes absolutely you know um I, I feel like I've told you this before, but um, I am, I'm an um, employment consultant for people with uh, physical and developmental, you know, delays. So mm-hmm. I particularly work with um, clients who are in their last year of high school and they're about to make that big transition to adulthood. And um, I have experienced more times than I, than I you know, honestly wish I would, um, more times where, you know, potential places of employment are, are not on, on the, uh, inclusive train. Yeah. And it's very hard to see. Um, now, you know, to speak to what you were saying about, you know, you can see both sides of the coin, you know, there are some places of employment that, you know, they just don't make sense. Um, for somebody with those challenges, because, um, you know, uh, maybe it's, um, you know, a, a very fast paced, you know, loud environment, obviously, um, you know, that wouldn't be a, a healthy place for someone that, you know, struggles with those sensory, you know, um, challenges, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that doesn't mean that the place of employment isn't being inclusive. It just means that um, it's not a place that that individual who struggles with those sensory challenges, it, it's not a, a place for them that they would thrive well in. Yeah. So finding an accommodation for that, um, you know, like you were sharing is so important and even just, you know, making sure that those, uh, options are available because I do feel like, you know, accommodations, um, are, are not as always as, uh, uh, available as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, and it also, I feel like depends on where you live. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, obviously, you know, I feel like this really, this, this relates to, you know, fear and anxiety, because I feel like, you know, you as a parent has probably, you know, been, um, worried about, um, you know, is this place that we're going to going to have the accommodations that my children need? Um, and I'm walking into a situation where I'm not sure if that's going to be available or, or not. Yeah. And I think it's hard as carriers that we struggle so much with anxiety and then to be like going out in a public place, not knowing what to expect, worrying about what other people think and having that just like, I mean, cause one thing is 
they our kids feel what you feel very like they're very in tune and so when I have anxiety their anxiety is yep. and it's like it's not fair like I can't have anxiety I'm trying to be calm because it just yeah. exacerbates your anxiety but <laughs> it's kind of hard that way but so when you go out in public place, places I have to prepare myself you know to be like everything's gonna be fine I'm gonna be calm so that they can have a greater chance of being calm as well yeah, absolutely. Um, and sometimes that's certainly, you know, challenging to do. But, um, you know, I feel like, y- you know, you can only do so much sometimes. And um, even it, it comes to, you know, working together to create that um, environment that, you know, they can thrive in. And so, um well, uh, I feel like we could go on for like hours about <laughs> fear and anxiety. There's so many different like angles you can come at it with. Um, and just as carriers and as, you know, um, talking about children growing up, uh, you know, experiencing that. But um, for the sake of our listeners, you know, <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I am going to, uh, just kind of wrap things up here, um, just for the sake of time, but, um, thank you so much, Kirsten, for just sharing all your perspectives. Um, it has truly been a pleasure continuing to get to know you and, um, I'm happy to just support, um, everything that you're doing with your book and, um, also, just uh, getting to know uh, you more has been uh, such a blessing. And um, like I told you, I think yesterday, um, I really do hope that someday we can uh, meet in person and yeah. <laughs> have even more to talk about. <laughs> I thought we could talk for hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for your time, Kirsten. Um Again, I am just so excited for you and your book. Um, I'm I'm getting towards the halfway point, but <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your support and everything that you've done. And it's been so fun to connect with somebody else as a carrier and somebody else in the community. And you've opened doors for me to meet other people as well. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. Absolutely. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, You know, that's exactly why I created this podcast is just hopefully to make connections, you know, Um, those are important. So um, thank you, Kirsten. And I know we will talk soon. Awesome. Thanks.